0: Welcome to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. It's Friday, September 11th, and all of you remember where you were 19 years ago today. I was here in D.C. on Capitol Hill, just starting out my journalism career. And so we wanted to start today's show with a quick moment of silence for all we lost that day. Thanks for joining me for that. Let's start today's show. how the pandemic has made our failing immigration system even worse. Plus, Mike Allen answers one of your questions about mail-in voting. But first, it's been six months since the coronavirus was declared a public health emergency in the US. Our timeline since then is today's one big thing. Sam Baker is Axios' healthcare editor. Sam, you wrote this piece that tracks everything that's happened over the last six months. And I was wondering, what was your motivation for wanting to do this?
1: We just sort of wanted to take a step back and take stock of what these six months have been and how difficult it is to even keep track of what happened when in this time period. It was March 13th, six months ago Sunday, that Trump declared the public health emergency. To
2: unleash the full power of the federal government in this effort today, I am officially declaring a national
1: emergency. Unemployment peaked at about 7 million new claims. The
0: March jobs report, more than 6.6 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits.
1: It was April when we started to see the anti-lockdown protests.
0: Liberate Virginia!
1: It was in May that the Black Lives Matter protests started up in Minneapolis and then all over the country.
2: And
0: we're now in September. It's September 11th. We're at more than 190,000 people in this country who have died because of the coronavirus.
1: And that's equivalent to more than 60 September 11th. We don't say that to try to minimize September 11th, just to try to put in context just how many Americans we've lost here in a relatively short amount of time.
0: Is there a way that you think about absorbing these numbers?
1: I think it's hard for a lot of people, and I think it's difficult, to have any sort of historical context about a moment that you're in while you're still in it, especially one that is so complex and so new and so challenging as the one that we're in right now.
0: Sam Baker is the healthcare editor for Axios. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the historically low levels of legal immigration this year. Welcome back to Axios Today. The Trump administration has enacted more than 400 policies to limit legal and illegal migration into the U.S. But since the pandemic began, the legal immigration system has mostly ground to a halt.
3: 2020 will be a very historic year. It's going to be a remarkably low year for legal immigration.
0: Sarah Pierce is a policy analyst with the Migration Policy Institute in Washington, D.C., And she's been tracking all of the administration's immigration policies.
3: So The Trump administration is unprecedented in in that they view both legal and illegal immigration as a problem for the country, as a threat to the U.S. economy and to U.S. security. Because of the laws in place, the president couldn't do a lot to directly decrease legal immigration. He could tighten the screws and increase vetting and make it more difficult to apply but he couldn't directly decrease the numbers coming in.
0: The pandemic has opened up new opportunities for the president to push forward on his immigration agenda.
3: The State Department shut down all visa processing. While that halt was still in place, the president issued two proclamations, one banning certain types of permanent immigration, another temporarily decreasing foreign workers coming into the country. And that pandemic really created an opportunity for the president to make those changes that they had tried to petition Congress to make, but had been unable to convince Congress to do.
0: One of the programs the Trump administration has focused on is the H-1B visa program, which was actually part of the 1990 Immigration Act signed by President George H.W. Bush.
3: It is the most comprehensive reform of our immigration laws in 66 years.
0: So I wonder... Sarah, what you think about the model of the 90s when we think about today's immigration system, is it a model that's still relevant in 2020?
3: So there's been no major reforms to the legal immigration system since 1990. So we're talking about a system that hasn't been updated in 30 years. If You just look at H-1B visas, the number of new H-1B visas that we grant each year, that's been set into place for at least two decades And obviously, our need has changed. Each year, we have more than double the amount of applicants apply for those H-1B visa numbers than are available. How can it be reformed? We need to have a system that responds to the economic and demographic realities of the modern day. One important thing is that President Trump and his administration aren't necessarily an anomaly, right? A lot of what they've done has been legal. It's just that they're taking advantage of the moment and the tools available. We desperately need these laws to be updated, and we need a clear vision for what that should look like.
0: Sarah Pierce is a policy analyst. She focuses on the U.S. Immigration Program at the Migration Policy Institute in Washington. Thanks, Sarah.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: You can read more about how the pandemic has upended the American immigration system in a deep dive we're doing tomorrow that you can find at Axios.com. And thanks to Axios reporter Steph Kite for her help with this segment. I always say at the end of every episode that we want to hear from you. And that's why I was so excited when a listener reached out.
1: My name is Suzette Song. I live in York, Pennsylvania.
0: She had a question about mail-in voting, and who better to answer that than Axios co-founder, Mike Allen. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Iowa. Let's listen to Suzette's question.
1: Considering that they're going to allow us to mail in ballots well before that November 3rd, what are the rules as far as when they can start counting them? Funny that you should ask,
2: Suzette, because we're hearing this from states all over the country, and I asked the Axios voting elections expert Steph Kite about this. And it turns out that there are both logistical and legal reasons that there's probably going to be a processing delay. For one thing, our system was just built for another time. Our system was not built for a pandemic. So a lot of how these ballots are handled is enshrined in state law. And secondly, there are security issues. Like if you count these ballots, if you open them, how do you keep that count? From leaking out? How do you make sure that none of those ballots are tampered with? So that's why traditionally they've been kept sealed. You open them later all at once uh, to avoid what my grandma would call hanky-panky. What we're learning in this COVID moment is that all these systems are up for change, up for grabs. The system is changing in real time. It will change even more after this election, but there's just not time, Suzette, in this election to make it as efficient, or as safe as people might want it to be.
0: Thanks, Mike.
2: Now I have the best day.
0: And thanks, Suzette, for asking that. You can reach out to us if you have questions as well. You can tweet me, my handle's at nylabudu, or you can send us an email, podcasts at axios.com. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Carol Alderman, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Kara Schillen, and Naomi Shaven. Alex Sugiyara is our mix engineer. Sarah Hilani Gu is our executive editor. Special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Lital Malad and Jacob Weisberg. You can write to us at podcasts at axios.com, and you can find me on Twitter, at Nylabudu. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and have a great weekend.